May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please do take your seats. I wonder what is the best gift or present you have ever received? Or what is the, the worst present or gift you have ever received? I'm afraid that my track record of uh, giving gifts isn't great. Here was my tactics for my Christmas shopping for a couple of years. On Christmas Eve afternoon, I would have finished my preparation for the Christmas Day service working here in the office, and I headed over to the supermarket on Castle Marina to begin my Christmas shopping. And it turns out that it wasn't as well stocked for gifts as I had expected. I thought that was just a one-off occasion, but the same thing happened the next year when I tried exactly the same tactic. And, well, Catherine got some underwhelming gifts, to say the least. Let's, uh, let's leave it at that. I, I am not a good giver of gifts, I'm afraid. But thankfully, our God is a wonderful giver of gifts. And the greatest gift of all is the gift of salvation through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. His gift of saving grace alone is the gift that forgives us and draws us into eternal life. And God also gives those that follow Jesus other different kinds of gifts. God's saving grace is given to all who believe the, the, the grace that saves us. But what might be termed God's serving grace, the grace which then equips God's people to serve is given in various different forms. We've read about it in Ephesians 4, and as a verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 puts it, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If you were here last Sunday, you'll know that I spoke from Luke 19, the parable of the ten meaners, where we learn that as servants of Christ, we're to put to work whatever he's given us for his kingdom until he returns. And we're in a series in these weeks entitled, The King Who Gave His All for Us. And I'd very much encourage you to, to watch all of the, the sermons, morning and evening, because they're all linked, to get that, that whole picture and what I'm trying to do today, I'm teaching it a little bit differently from how I might normally do, but we're, we're going to focus on the quite practical outworking of what we've been looking at. We're going to think together about how we can identify what it is, what gift it is, what gifts that God has given each one of us. How can we discover the gifts that God has given us? And that's important for lots of reasons, but it's important because it will be different for each one of us here. Over the last few years, we've, we've grown in number as a church, and we've also grown in different aspects of diversity. And by what, I'm, what I mean by that is that we're now a church with an even more diverse range of ages, 
backgrounds, education, vocation, employment, ethnicity, language, culture, and so on. And that is a wonderful reflection of God's kingdom. Just think for a moment of the potential that there is here. Because we live in a society that is increasingly polarized and fractured. So just think of the potential that there is, the kingdom potential to impact Nottingham, all nations, and the next generation as we are united in God's kingdom under Christ with each other. And today I want us to learn about some of the other ways in which God has given us different gifts, gifts to each one of us, and why. And what God has given you is different from what he's given someone else. And I want us to understand crucially why that is a good and glorious difference. So in a couple of places in the, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses the word picture of the church as a body to draw out some of this, these points. So we'll put an example on the screen from 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 14. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So you, you might think that because you're different to me or different to anybody that you see at the front here week by week, there isn't a part for you to play in Cornerstone Church. You might feel that, that you are an ear, but all you, all you see at the front here are eyes, or more likely mouths. And you know that that's not you. Or precisely. And that's not just, I want to make clear that that's not just, oh, that's okay. That is good. That is glorious. That's the way God has designed it. That's the way God has designed you. As a body, we need each and every part. The ears, the eyes, the hands, the feet, the elbows, the bit behind the knee that I don't know what it's called, but is important. Ephesians 4's Katrina read, verse 16, from him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let me give an example. Imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment that in this church, everyone was just like me. Don't laugh. Just imagine if everyone was just like me. Well, it would be very tidy 
would be very organized, very stable, but it would be a bit on the dull side, wouldn't it? There'd be no spontaneity, unless it was very carefully planned in advance. And there'd be no creativity. But thank <laughs> thankfully, we're not all like me. We are one diverse people. And part of this is that we have different gifts by God design. We're not meant to all be the same or to have the same role or the same gifts. Many parts, one body, united in Christ. And you might be thinking, well, I know what gifts I don't have, but I don't know what gifts I do have. I don't know know what part of the body I am. I know that I'm not a mouth, but I don't know what I am. Well, that's what we're going to help one another explore today. And the American pastor, Rick Warren, gives an acrostic that has been a very helpful tool for many people across the world to discover how to use all the ways that God has carefully crafted them in his service and is for his glory. And the acrostic is shape, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And I'm going to go through each one of these and say a little bit about them uh, and talk us through how God has shaped you for his service. So firstly, S, spiritual gifts. If we assembled all of the gifts mentioned anywhere in the New Testament, then we'd come up with quite a long list, but even that wouldn't be exhaustive. And the gifts that we'd, we'd read about would include administration, giving, healing, leadership, teaching, speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation, wisdom, giving, encouragement, mercy, and many others. And God gives at least one of these gifts to every Christian. If you're a Christian, then you have at least one of these spiritual gifts in some form. It is only 239-day sleeps until Christmas. But imagine if you had some gifts from last Christmas that, that are still wrapped up and unopened. And if you do, there's, there's something amiss. Because gifts are there to be, to be opened, to be used. Gifts are not meant to be left wrapped up. Gifts are no use to anyone if they're just left wrapped up, unopened. Remember 1 Peter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So do you see how God's gifts are given us to be unwrapped and put to use in the service of others, for the benefit of others? Just as as we saw in 2 Timothy, we're to hold the truth by passing it on, so we're to put to work the gifts we've been given by God and by using them with, with open hands, not with clenched fists, but holding our gifts with open hands. So often our natural tendency is to close our hands around the things that we've been given. But God calls us to use our gifts with open hands to serve others. Because if we close our hands, we find that eventually, well, it ends up crushing our gifts. 
It also means that we can't receive more from the Lord to put to work. And I heard it put like this recently as well. When when we're holding our gifts with clenched fists rather than open hands, we can't help anyone. If you hold your hands like this, try, try tying your shoelace with clenched fists. It's impossible. Now, I've been given the spiritual gifts of leadership and teaching, and I'm to put those to use not for my own benefit, but to serve others by leading and teaching here. And as a pastor teacher, my role, as we read in Ephesians, is to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Now, you might not have those gifts, but you might, for example, have the gift of encouragement. So the point is, use that gift by encouraging people. Whatever gift you've been given, use it. And we also need to be aware that it takes time to discover our spiritual gifts. To be honest, sometimes it can be difficult for us to tell what our spiritual gifts are. So ask other people, especially those in leadership, what they see as your spiritual gifts. And if you're a person in leadership, tell, take the time to share with, uh, with, with, with people, those that you lead, what you think their gifts are. Actually, as I was reflecting on this this week and preparing what I was, what I was going to say, even just in the course of this week, I've Uh, I've seen people using the gifts of wisdom, encouragement, hospitality, and administration. And I realized as I was looking through this, I just needed to text someone that I'd, to encourage them that I'd seen them using their gifts uh, that particular week. Because often people aren't aware of their gifts because it comes quite naturally to them. Someone with The gift of hospitality, for example, might not realize that it's a spiritual gift just because it comes, they enjoy it, it comes quite naturally. But it's so great to hear what gifts others see that God has given us. So it takes time to discover our gifts, but it also takes time to develop our gifts. I'm I'm very much not the I'm not the 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 finished article. the gifts that I've been given are, are very much still still developing, and there's a long way for them to develop. And that's true for all of us. Gifts need cultivation and maturity. They need to be stewarded, as it says in 1 Peter. And God is still working on us, still developing us. None of us are the finished article in that sense. So that's spiritual gifts. Then secondly, heart. And the key question that reveals something of our heartbeat is, what energizes me? What energizes me? God has given us an emotional heartbeat that, that races when we think about the subjects or activities or, or uh, circumstances that interest us. Instinctively, all of us will be, will be drawn to some things and, and just not to others. We'll feel a real passion about some matters and not others. And we're not too ignore those interests, those passions when it comes to understanding how we've been shaped for God's service. Rather, we need to consider how we're to use our God-given passions for God's glory. We might find that we're, it's something we're quite effective in. Whatever we, whenever we do what God wired us to love to do, we, we probably get more effective at it. So what energizes you? What are you effective in? What's your heartbeat? What's your passion? What are you fruitful in? And we see these things 
uh, even just here as people establish themselves and, or are established and get involved in ministry. For example, those uh, who are involved in the, the Learn English at Cornerstone have a heart for those who are far from their, their homes and have a heart to equip people with language skills to live in Nottingham. And the building is full on a Wednesday morning of people, people doing that. Others serving at holiday lunch clubs, showing, holiday, showing hospitality to our immediate neighbours, many of whom are from a background in another faith, sharing food, sharing lives. And of course, all of those ministries afford the opportunity for people to learn more about Jesus Christ if they would like to seek him. So what energizes you? What are you effective in? What's your heartbeat? What's your passion? Thirdly, our abilities. And our abilities, perhaps in some contrast to our spiritual gifts, are something that we might be born with. They might overlap with our spiritual gifts, but there's an element of distinction between the two. For example, some people have a natural ability with words. Of course, they've developed it, improved it, and so on, but it's clear that they have an ability that others don't. Now, you might be surprised by uh, the examples that the Bible uses of, of different abilities that God uses for his glory. Here are just some of the abilities that are mentioned in the Bible. Artistic ability, architectural ability, baking, what a gift that is, or what an ability, it's an ability and a gift, boat making, designing, engraving, farming, fishing, planting, carpentry, sailing, writing. And many more. So what abilities do you have? There's a lot of variety. And of course, many of our abilities are used outside of the church context, in our workplaces, in our communities, clubs, and so on. But even within, even within the church, when we set up for events here at church, I'm, I'm so thankful for, use, for those who use their creative gifts in decoration and, in, and displays. Have a look at these flowers for a moment. Now, very obviously, I didn't do that. I actually don't know who did. But that is an ability. And completely differently, those who have abilities in, in identifying and managing risk on the, the risk committee that serves and advises the elders as we lead the church, or, or those that serve on the maintenance team, who mend things when we break them, who put new things up in the, in the building, who repair, who test, and so on, using their abilities. Other people baking for the different events. And I think Andy and Helen, who we've heard from this morning, are great examples of people who have used and developed their abilities as a pilot. And Helen, in, in just drawing alongside others in love and care in lots of different ways. So we need to seriously examine what we're good at, where our abilities lie, and where they do not. So what abilities do you have? You have abilities that others don't. And are we stewarding them for God's glory, the extension of his kingdom, and the service of his people? P, personality. 
In the Bible, we read of loads of different kinds of personality, but God used them all. Think of even just the personality differences between the 12 disciples. Well, God created each of us with a unique combination of personality traits. He created those of us who might tend to, towards being more of an introvert and those who are more like extroverts. He made those who love variety and those who love routine. Some people, well, some of us, we go through careful thought, process in this, thought processes in decision-making. Others just go on instinct. I'll leave you to guess which one I am. Some people thrive with an individual task. Others love being part of a team project. And your, your personality will, to some degree, affect, affect how and where you use your spiritual gifts, your abilities. Let me be clear, it shouldn't dominate it, but, but it's just something to be aware of. Growing in, part of growing in wisdom is growing in understanding of how God has wired us, how he makes us more like Jesus. And also... Don't expect everyone else to be like you. We need different personalities here. The loud and the quiet. The cautious and the risk-taking. The accelerators and the brakes. Someone put it like this. To imagine a church being like a stained glass window with our different personalities. Reflecting God's light in many patterns and colors. Blessing the family of God with depth and variety. And we pray that we become more Christ-like versions of ourselves. And then our experiences. In 1996, Gareth Southgate became infamous for missing a penalty in the shootout in, uh, in Euro 96. It was a very difficult time for him. But in recent years, as England manager, he has been in the best position to comfort and to protect other players who have missed penalties because he has been there himself. Actually, even when opposition players have missed penalties, and whilst England celebrate, Gareth Southgate has been seen going to comfort opposition players that missed their penalties. And he could comfort players because he had been there. He knew what it was like. And I think that's just a, a pale reflection of an illustration for us of how God can use our experiences of life. For we've each been shaped by our experiences of life. And I do recognize that this can be very difficult to talk about and I want to be very very tender here. We need to consider at least six types of experiences from our past. Family experiences, educational experiences, employment experiences, spiritual experiences, ministry experiences, and painful experiences. When I was an intern here, I can remember Colin Webster, one of the ministers, sharing with me the wisdom that God never wastes a tear. God never wastes a tear. 
even in our most painful experiences, God is still shaping us. And maybe you will be able to minister to someone in a special way because you have shared a similar experience or struggle as them. Perhaps you will see and notice injustice or marginalized and hurting people because of experiences in your past. God never wastes a tear. How has God shaped you through your spiritual gifts, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences? And there's one further S that that I want to add because I think it's pertinent for us. Season. And what I mean by this is to consider your season of life and your season of serving. Consider how your season of life impacts your, your shape and your service. I've mentioned before that uh, between the ages of 11 and 18, I was in an Anglican church in the, the small village that I grew up in. And the, I'll never forget there that the vicar there gave me a role to play. It was my job to take down the hymn numbers at the end of the service and switch off some of the lights and keep other, other lights on. It wasn't a complicated task, but I've never forgotten it because it told me that I had a part to play. I belonged. Now, I'm in a different season of life and I have a a different role to play. But even as, as I've got older, as my life seasons have changed, how I serve has changed. But the point really is this, to give consideration to your season of life and how that changes. New seasons just bring different challenges and different opportunities in following Jesus, in serving him. The most helpful thing to do, I think, is to talk and to pray with others as you go through those seasons, to be aware of them and aware of the changes. And to be content with our season of life, not always wishing you had someone else's or were elsewhere. Brian Chappell says this, We may never fulfill the purposes that God has for our lives if we constantly want to be something that God has not designed us to be or if we're constantly wishing we were in a different season of life. Well, let me ask, who are your heroes in Cornerstone? Who are the spiritual giants of this church? Do you think? You know, the real heroes of this church are not the leaders that you see at the front. The spiritual giants of this church are certainly not the people with profile like me or those you see up here every week. The real heroes of this church are those who know the gifts the Lord has given them, who use those gifts to serve others with a deep contentment. The real heroes of this church are those who care for ill family members, 
sometimes for years. The heroes of this church are those who quietly and without fuss visit people throughout the week. The heroes of this church are are those who serve in demanding roles in the workplaces of, of this city. Others' heroes are those who walk alongside those who are carrying very deep hurts. Other heroes are those who faithfully walk with Jesus through, sometimes through decades of difficulty. I could go on, but the list of heroes is a long one. Get to know people like that. And you know, there's actually no great secret in how the heroes of Cornerstone do what they do. It's because they look to Jesus, and as they gaze on him, they're transformed to be more like him. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. My role is to help you see your gifts and put them to work. And that's what we focused on just in the last two weeks. But most of all, my role is to help you see Jesus, our King. And as we dwell there and as we gaze upon him, he will transform us to be more like him. So can I invite us to turn in quiet prayer as we reflect, yes, on the gifts that he has given us, the way he shaped us, but more than anything else, to gaze upon him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts that you have given us as individuals and across the life, even just of this church. And we thank you most of all for the great gift of your son, Jesus Christ. 
and as you continue to shape us for your service. Please help us to fix our eyes on him. And as we gaze upon him to be transformed all the more into his likeness for your glory. Amen.